From Baltimore, Maryland, this is The Stoop Sessions, a One Hope podcast. Join us for conversations about ministry on the stoop. Learn more about our work at www.onehope.gives. Eric, if you had to walk in um, with like a soundtrack or no, that's not what we call it, a track. Like if a track was playing, what like would walk theme in? Music? Yeah, that's it. The word theme. What would it be? What would be my theme? When you walk in. See, I'm, a, I'm a low key guy, so I don't know. Uh, they can put it down. See, but it's um, got to be music that plays. I can't think of nothing. What would you, okay, well, it, what's the last thing you played on your iPod? Last thing I played was uh, a song called 30. Ooh, okay. On King's Disease 3. Okay. Now it's latest album. Lord, yep. we, this, I understand. You know what? That here. would be it. You walk in on 30. Going on 30 sums. That's right. That's good. Yep. <laughs> All That's right. Good. Um, I don't have an answer to this question, but the last thing I played on my iPod, if that would be iPod, no one says that. Apple my, music. My Apple music. Yeah, Apple music. Um, I mean, let's just ask Apple <laughs> so I can live authentically before y'all. Romans by this group called Solos. Anyway, hmm. instrumental, so it's cool if you need a little bit of ADHD distraction while you're reading your word. <laughs> so that's it. Romans 8. That's what I listen to. That's what I'd walk in on. But it's very somber. So I guess I'd have to walk in slow. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the stoop. I'm talking a lot because Joel's not here. <laughs> That's probably it. When Joel is not here, it forces us to talk. I guess. We can kind of well, like play the background. You, I'm always talking. Lord. That's right. That's right. I'm going to talk. I need to take a pause. I'm Stephanie Greer. I'm Eric Hill. And we're on the stoop. And we're holding it down. We this are. Like our, what, second episode? Are we pretty back much. Back to back yeah. Joel? Yeah. He's yeah, probably like, Joel. he's on it. Well, I don't know how I'll say that. Joel's on some field somewhere running. He's in Louisville somewhere. Yeah, somewhere running with, with yes. sheep or something. <laughs> um, and we're here. And what are we talking about today? Evangelism. Ooh, Another again? part of evangelism. That's right, because it's so important. It makes, the gospel makes a man happy. That's, that's right. And that's a woman right. and a child. But we're going to have a guest today. I think so. I was yeah. thinking, like, we talked about personal evangelism. Mm-hmm. Then we got to talk to you about a little bit of your story. Yeah. Um, and then how that bled into even uh, sharing the gospel with your mom. Yep. And I'm like, let's call a friend. That's right. Do you we remember that old, friends. old, if we do have friends? Praise God. <laughs> That's right. Um, so that old show with Regis Philbin, what was it called? Da-da-da-da, when the music came on. That's, um... No. Do you want to win a million dollars? No, who wants to be a millionaire? That's it. Yeah, that's, that's it. Right. So let's call a friend. <laughs> that's right. So, are they a millionaire? Um, if they rich are, we in have the a kingdom of God. We, uh, okay, okay. <laughs> she, Just making sure. She, she's not broke but rich, but she's, uh, she's you know, rich. Yeah, in some sense. But yeah, let's call a friend. We're going to call Lisa. That's and um, I guess like her proper bio would be, I don't know. She's in like mission work everywhere. Um, she's like a historian. I call her historian, but maybe she'd be more in the realm of like missiologist type stuff. She writes a lot. She blogs. But really, we're just about to hit her up and ask her about the church and how the church actually um, equips the saints for the work of evangelism. That's right. Great commission. Let's dial her. Hopefully, she answers her phone. <laughs> Let's see how this goes. This is Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Lisa. Hello, Steph. <laughs> it's Eric and I. Well, hey, I Eric. I feel like a radio How you person. Doing? That's like, Lisa, what song do you want to dedicate to your friend today? <laughs> That's what I feel like right now. Um, 
it could be the mic but lisa are you are am i calling you are you on a stoop we're not on a stoop. Am, it's raining but what what does stoops am, look like where you're at <laughs> stoops where i look like uh where i am at would look like a um i don't know a mountain trail oh, actually nice okay that sounds like there's yeah live on there. the yeah, there is. I live on the edge of Los Angeles County, and we've got lots of animals that run through our property. And, uh, yeah, meet a lot of my neighbors out on the trails behind my house. That's cool. So I remember some of those trails, um, and I was always praying not to run into that wildlife that you talk about. The horses are fine. <laughs> Anything else? I'm yeah, the mountain lion. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that mountain lion. Nobody wants to punch it out. No. Not Listen, at all. Lisa, <laughs> if we see a mountain lion in the hood, we're giving up. Right. At that point, we don't know. <laughs> Quit it all. I'm relocating. <laughs> it's time to leave. So, um, Lisa, I didn't really give you a proper bio, but I just said you love mission work, right? And um, you're currently working at Children's Hunger Fund. Um, and so I guess That's- Eric probably would love to know what that is. Yeah. Like, what, what do you do? Um, what, like, what is the work that you guys do? And how did you get, sure, uh, how no. did you get involved with it? Yeah, Children's Hunger Fund is an organization that's 31 years old, and it uh, our mission is to uh, actually to help churches reach out into their communities, especially where there is uh, hunger in the community. And so, our founder Dave and Lynn Phillips um, they they began to realize that they had connections with businesses here in LA at first that could provide food and but but it was hard for small churches to find out where that food might be available for them to go and then meet their neighbors and help and so they began uh, children's hunger fund to receive those those products those food products and also financial gifts from corporations and from individuals who had access to those and then we repackaged that uh, those materials and turn them over to churches. And we work here in, uh, in the U S we're, we're primarily located in Los Angeles County in Frisco. So we're in Dallas in Texas and then San Antonio down to the borderlands. And then internationally we're working in 31 countries Man. and we work with about 1100 churches altogether right now. Wow. And so our primary, yeah, our primary mode of, of working with the churches is that we provide either the, the food pack, which is what we give domestically. Uh, so it's a box that has shelf stable, kid friendly, high nutrition food. Um, and so it would be enough for maybe uh, five or six different meals uh, and snacks for a child. Um, so we provide those food packs to the churches and then the churches will deliver those food packs directly to somebody's house. And as they do that over time, relationships are developed and, uh, and then the gospel is shared with people. We, we know that yeah. if we feed people, that's right. um, they're going to be hungry again soon. Yeah, that's but right. if we feed them with the gospel also, uh, that that could be an eternal, uh, eternal hope for them. And so that really is our, that's our priority. Our priority is to, to get the gospel into people's homes. And we know that 
the Lord has ordained churches to do that. And so we're really glad to, to serve these congregations amen i was gonna say you better preach that's right which i'm we're allowed to say (laughs) it's it's a safe place here so um we understand anyway so um that that's so sweet it's kind of hearing a parachurch organ i don't know that i know a ton of parachurch organizations or like organizations that say we actually want to be way in the background and get underneath the local church and equip them. Yeah. So it's just neat to hear. Yeah. You know, about five years ago, I had a little bit of a career change uh, where I had been working in higher Christian ed for a number of years and just knew it was time for me to switch things up a little bit. And I began looking for a nonprofit that loved the local church. And I kept interviewing with these well-known credentialed organizations and we'd get to the end of the interview process and they'd look at me and go, I don't think we've got enough church in us for you. And I'd mm. say, you absolutely don't. I'm going to keep looking. Ouch. And so, yeah, that was one of the things that was really, that was puzzling to me. I mean, I've worked with probably 70 different mission agencies over my years in higher ed, working in the area of missions mobilization. And I just have come to realize that it is the church that the Lord has ordained as mm. his primary vehicle for communicating to the world. And so anything that I'm doing had better serve that purpose, mm. right? So it doesn't mean I have to be in a local church doing that work, but I better be doing some sort of work that is going to support my local church and the local churches that are um, that are in my sphere. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it was it was actually really puzzling to see. We've got all of these, they say parachurch, but I don't think they're actually really alongside the church. They're just para-para. Mm. Yeah. That's a whole other definition. So Lisa, um, it sounds like you've traveled like the world, you know, doing missions work. Um, how many continents have you been to? You know, I've been to six continents. I'm just missing Antarctica. Lord. And yeah. And the reason for that is I think the penguins don't need Jesus. They already <laughs> they don't know need Jesus. who their creators. Right. They're so. not they didn't the, rebel. Right. They didn't. Yeah. They're just underneath the curse as we grow. Right. And there's not a winter coat that can cover you there, sis. <laughs> I don't know. But you know, if you've got any listeners who would like to send me to Antarctica, I think I could probably find <laughs> some researchers who need Jesus. And I'm, I'd be oh. happy to take what, that trip. Well, you thinking like about that. how the gospel, I how like the church that. might do some gospel work that's missionally. Right. <laughs> that's good. Well, you bet. So six continents, how many countries? 50 countries. 50? Five zero. Yeah. Madagascar was number 50 this, this uh, earlier this last year. There's not just vanilla there. <laughs> there are people. <laughs> that is true. There are people there that are very much uh, impacted by poverty. Mm. It's a rich country, a lot of natural resources, like much of Africa. And yet um, outside companies, outside countries have come in and Mm. basically through corruption stripped the country Mm. of its resources. And so people are hungry. 50% of the kids under the age of five are malnourished. 80% of the people are impacted by extreme poverty which is defined as living on less than $2 and 10 cents a day. Wow. So it's a, it's a very needy country and um, needy, not only 
for for food and for uh, material sustenance, but also for the gospel. And there's just some great work being done. And people are opening their Bibles and they're acting like Bereans. Yeah, just so good. hungry for the Word of God. Searching it's just so encouraging. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's obviously not the same context, but you kind of bring up the need for one gospel-centered churches in real neglected places, right? You said, yeah, they not, don't just need food. You know, when you read those statistics, I'm like 80%, um, but they also need the spiritual food, right? That that's, that's right. eternal. And so, I mean, I, I love always seeing, I don't love hearing those stats, but I love seeing um, that the problem remains the same, that we really do need to know mm-hmm. God's word. And that does really bleed into everything else. And so, although Baltimore is very different from Madagascar and in a lot of different <laughs> ways, that under-resourced, mm-hmm. neglected kind of community is the same thing here. It's a perception here, though, that people do know the word, um, and people do, but it is neglected in the sense that um, it's an assumption, where I guess in Madagascar, it wouldn't be an assumption. Um, it's just more of a, hey, this is actually a need in the middle of, of all these things. As I have conversations with people, I get I get two takes from people. One are the people who say, well, there's enough gospel in the U.S. We don't need to do anything here. They've got access. Mm. Mm. And then there's the other side that says, why are we sending resources and people overseas when there's need here? We need to be taking care of our neighbors first. And it's not an either or. Mm. It's a both and, right? right? I can encourage young people to go to places like India and Pakistan and Afghanistan because they need the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. And I can say to my friend Steph, hey, Baltimore's calling. You should mm-hmm. go. Yeah, and good. there's no, there's nothing that's, uh, that's in conflict mm. in that call for us to care about the gospel that's good. and to name Jesus where he's not being named, yeah. whether it's next door or it's across the ocean. That's good. And it's their friends. They don't actually compete, right? Yeah. So I guess the question is... They actually inform each other. Yeah. mm, Okay. So this, another question bleeds into this. My brain's like, oh, so many. (laughs) But like, so we're talking about, we're not so much talking about parachurch. We're talking about the the need for the church to send out. So what's the place of the church in sending out missionaries to serve in both contexts, right? Like why the church and not necessarily just sending agencies? Yeah. Yeah. You know, sending agencies have their place. They're really helpful in some ways. Sometimes they're helpful because maybe you've got a small church of 50 people and you don't have somebody in your church who understands uh, international tax law or visa applications Mm -hmm. or how to put together a multinational team and provide care in the midst of trauma Mm -hmm. on the field, right? So agencies can do all of those things. They can help in that process. But the foundation of anyone who is being sent into ministry should be that they are discipled by their church. Their their gifts have been identified by the church. They are sent by their local Mm. church. Maybe you're doing that hand in hand with an agency, a mission agency. Um, And that might be to, to work in an urban context like Baltimore or to work internationally, right? Um, And so there certainly is a place for agencies, but at the point where the agency equips equips the local church 
then it has abdicated its role Mm. in actually helping the local church partner with brothers and sisters around the world. Yeah. Um, Obviously, Lisa, like in the work that you do, um, you've seen, um, you know, the word unity kind of like played out. Um, What are some examples of that? Like on the mission field. Like to be able to do that, to be able to actually send out individuals to be able to say, okay, we're being discipled in this way. And we've thinking about several different contexts, which I feel like just even saying that you're thinking through, I don't know how many people you've seen go through the mission field, both locally and international. I don't think you keep, do you keep count? How could you, (laughs) is that something you keep? Yeah. My, I, I, when I was, when I was teaching, I personally uh, arranged short term missions trips. Mm-hmm. of our students who were identified by their local churches to be people who should be going out, right? Mm-hmm. So the pastors said, yeah, we think you should go on a short-term trip. We want to support you before you go and support you when you come back um, to, to process your experience. And so then I would make arrangements with our alumni who were on the field. During that time, I worked with about 960 students. That was actually one of them. Listen, which is kind of fun. I need a story yeah. before this interview is over. I, I need to hear a story. Lord, I hope it's about good for stuff. you, Lisa. Don't forget because I'm gonna try to purposely forget. <laughs> I'll give you a teaser. Hot. Yeah, so but so 960 of students, students. Of those students, I um, I've done a little bit of research on it. It looks like probably one in seven or eight of them. Wow. One in in eight are in full time cross-cultural work, whether that's in the United States or that's overseas. Um, And of those students, I probably get about a hundred and of other graduates as well, not just ones that I, that I work with on short-term trips, but I get about a hundred newsletters a month. Wow. And, and you read ours. I try to, and I try to. She does read ours. That's crazy. Praise God. Yeah, that's actually like the work of a. Okay, I won't (laughs) let me stay on the course. Okay, so back to Eric's question because I wanted to like set the tone. Yeah, it's not just you being like, oh, I've just been to these continents now. I can speak on this, but there's a reality of saying if a church is sending you out, then the word unity is not just some cute word that like you want like doodled on a journal. Yeah. So yeah, so so there's a couple things that I think are clear. One is the church has to be unified in what in, in two primary things. One, what um, mission is, what is mission? What's the purpose of it? And that is vast, vastly varied around the world today. Mm. Um, You know, there are some who would say, well, if you just go and you feed people, um, that's mission. But, you know, as I, as I said before, you can feed people, but if there's no gospel involved in the process, they're going to be hungry again. That's right. Um, so, so how, how do those things work together? So I wholeheartedly believe in mercy ministry, right? But I believe it's in concert with the gospel. So what is mission? Now, some people would say, well, we're only going to send missionaries who are working in pastoral training. And it's very narrowly defined. Mm. This is the only way in which we engage in mission, in God's mission. Um, And yet, you know, you could have a pastor who goes out to train pastors. Let's say they're in the Philippines, right? They're training pastors in the Philippines, but he's got four kids. 
this pastor from the States does. And, mm-hmm. and he's got to send his kids to school somehow. So either his wife is at home homeschooling the kids or he puts them in a local Christian school. Well, who's going to teach in the local Christian school if you want your kids to get education in your native language? So now you've got missionaries coming over to teach the missionaries' kids. But that missionary sending church is saying the missionary teaching in that school is not a valid missionary. We won't support them. Mm-hmm. So then that, that pastor who's gone out to train pastors has to leave the field because now he doesn't have a place to send his kids to school. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so what is mission? What does it look like to support missions around the world? Is what does that look like, right? And so some churches have said we'll only support those who are training pastors. Others have said that's going to be 50% of our work, 20% of the people we support are going to be involved in Bible translation, 20% are going to be involved in, in uh, education for, for missionary kids or in administration, and 10% are going to be doing primarily mercy ministry. I think that equals 100%. Yeah. Um, so they may, they may make... I, uh, plans like that. So that's one thing. What does mission look like? Um, and what's the purpose of mission? And what do we call mission? That's a big deal right now. People, people do not have clarity in what that looks like. I think the second thing that there's a lot of murkiness on right now is what does it mean to disciple someone? And what does it mean to evangelize? Mm. People have confused evangelism and discipleship, um, and uh, that has that has actually left us with um, a whole uh, movement, mostly founded initially in in Southern Asia, uh, but movements in which people are told, "Sure, you can be a follower of Isa Hamasia and stay in the mosque. That's totally fine." Mm. as long as you recognize you're a follower of Isa. Mm. And so there's never a an actual declaration that I have like, left I Islam. follow Christ, yeah. And I, yeah, and I am clinging only to Jesus. Right? And you would say that's more because there's evangelism happening, but a lack of discipleship. I would say it's because people have said that is discipleship. Mm. Oh, that becomes discipleship, right? So church planting is now, it's okay for it all to be secret um, and never and never actually make a break with the previous religion. And there's so many um, even crossovers, you know, a lot of times I'd say even in our context, mm-hmm. we're saying when you choose Christ in every context, but um, you choose Christ, you obviously forsake something else That's right. but you know a lot of our friends a lot of individuals on on, um, on the block when they make a conscious decision to say i want to follow christ it has to be in in following christ i'm leaving all of this behind and this looks like a family yeah. allegiance yeah. um and it's more than an association or a club you're a part of and so it really yeah. is a sacrifice and sometimes it comes down to a matter of life yeah, yeah. Um, and it comes down to a matter of like we've got to move you somewhere else just for your own yeah. um, your own sake and so the crossover is I mean hearing you say it's not enough for us to call that evangelism because it actually God calls us to say what are you what are you leaving behind in order um, to follow me so it's it just again that relationship of saying this is a completely different context but God is calling mm-hmm. 
us to recognize him as Lord in every context. And if we just call mentioning that and finding a way to make it fit, then, you know, is it really like you're defining that the church is defining whether or not that's actual evangelism is that's actual. Yeah. So unless we actually can define what evangelism is, what discipleship is, what a church is, Mm. it doesn't seem like that should be a hard or a difficult conversation. But I just sat on a friend's dissertation for his doctorate on his committee. Um, And his whole question was, what is a local church in a context where this has been so muddy? How do you define it? Right. And so when we start saying, hey, I want to, you know, when I was 20 years old and I was applying to go on the mission field and I'm raising my hand going, hey, I want to be a missionary. Right. I didn't. I didn't have any of those definitions mm. sorted out in my head. Mm. And my church looked at me and said, Hey, you're eager and you want to go great. You know, we're going to support you. We're going to bless you. We'll lay hands on you in front of the congregation and, and send you postcards. Um, so we, we love you. We think you should go. Mm. But it took me years to recognize that I, I needed a little, a little bit more understanding of what I was doing. If I was going to be honoring the scriptures mm-hmm. and honoring the Christ of the scriptures and not just the feel good. I want to make you, I want to make you like me. Yeah. It's good. What would be um, an encouragement for someone who may be struggling with uh, like lone ranger syndrome? And the reason mm. I ask is because, so I actually had a conversation this past Sunday at church, um, right before church started with uh, a church member who's very passionate uh, about evangelism and like uh, walking away from that conversation, it just seems like to him, the church wasn't doing enough as far as evangelism. Like he just kept saying, well, Mm. you know, he does this, he does that. And I just felt like he, he thought we were like, like the church moves too slow. So like how, how would you encourage someone who maybe uh, struggles with that type syndrome? Yeah, you know, I think it's another aspect where I think we can look at it and go, it's not either or, right? But sometimes the Lord has gifted people differently, and we have to recognize that there are people who are going to be really effective sitting in their barber chair and talking with a barber, right? right? Uh, But then there's going to be other people that it's going to be slower conversations than that, right? Or it's going to, you know, it may take years to get to a point where there's trust developed that you can have that conversation and and have it in a way that both honors the person and glorifies God. Mm. Because I think sometimes we're just ready to, uh, we're ready to, as one preacher I heard called it, drop the gospel bomb, right? (laughs) We're ready to drop the gospel bomb on everybody and we don't care what the shrapnel does. (laughs) but the reality is Christ was very gentle with those who needed to hear his word and who were not self-satisfied his harshest words he had for the religious folk who thought they had it all together Mm. right and so as we're caring for people we're loving people we're continually asking the Lord how do I best have this conversation? Lord, would you open up questions in their heart? Mm. Would you give me uh, just this sense that you would have me 
say something. And then the other thing I think is being in the scriptures enough that we can just stop and say, hey, you know, I remember something that happened in the life of Jesus. Can I tell you this story? You know, yeah. I, one of my favorite uh, moments of evangelism, I was, I was watching a friend of mine. It was actually in India, but it, it haunts me every day because I think about it. So we had gotten into this rickshaw in this city in northern India, really, really rough Buddhist uh, or uh, Hindu community. And there was a celebration of one of the gods going on. They were carrying this this god through the through the streets on a pallet, and uh, and the ladies that got in the rickshaw with us, um, they asked us. They said, "Man, it's it's so loud out there. Do you follow this god or do you follow another god?" I'm like, mm-hmm. "Hey, we're in India. This is awesome." Mm-hmm. So my friend said, "Oh, my god is nothing like this." As a matter of fact, one time he was in a boat with his disciples mm. and this big storm came up and they woke him up because they thought they were going to die. And they said, Jesus, Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? And he stood up and he calmed the waves and he said, peace. And so we're in the middle of this mm. rickshaw that was loud with all of these, these drums and horns going on yeah. around us. And she said, peace. That's who my God is. Mm. Nothing like what I'm seeing around me. And just that quick, 15-second story, this is who Jesus is, is something that I just, I I think about every day. Mm. When I get up and I think, how can I share about what life is like? You know, if I go to Trader Joe's on on Sunday after church, hey, how's your day going? They always ask you, right? Oh, man, it's been great. I've just been with my family at church and heard this message, mm. so encouraged by it. Yeah, it's just really great. You know, so it's just these opportunities to 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 ask the Lord yeah. right. to have the word which you're you're immersing yourself in, to have that word on the tip of your tongue for when those opportunities come up. And so I think you can encourage somebody and the Lord's giving you this gift and this desire. How do you how do you best use it? And then Maybe you can take somebody along with you and encourage them That's good. to That's also good. join in. Yeah. Um, but people have different ways of uh, of using their gifts to evangelize. It. You know, I think I've got this note here that says first two minutes after church sitting in front of me. When church, when the when Joel says amen and you're dismissed uh, at church on Sunday, what do you do? You turn to your friend that you're sitting with. Lisa, you, you better get onto something. Go ahead. I'm convicted and I'm scared right. and I'm encouraged at the same time. Your, Keep going. Friend, your friend sitting next to you is going to be there in four minutes, right? But the person in front of you that you've never seen before, they're going to jet, right? Yeah. Or the person behind you, they're going to they're gonna scoot probably before the amen. So sometimes I've actually walked out of my pew and blocked somebody just before the amen (laughs) so that I can say, hey, I've never seen you before. (laughs) With like a warm face. Are you about to leave? (laughs) That's good. (laughs) So then then you get an opportunity to have that conversation. Who are you? Where you're coming from? Hey, is there a way we can serve? Is there something I can pray for you about? Uh, Are you coming from another church? Have you ever been? You know, so then it becomes this conversation of, which can progress to, Hey, you got plans for lunch? Hey, let me tell you about my Jesus. Yeah, that's right? good. So, but without those first two minutes, right? 
that opportunity doesn't take place. That also is how the church evangelizes. And some people are really good at that. Other people want to, you know, they're, they're set up on a, out on the street corner with a microphone. Um, again, it's not either or. It's yeah. both and and how God equips us That's with good. his word and his spirit to reach out. That's yeah. really encouraging. It is. And it happens and in church. And convicting, too. Yeah. That's good. That's good. <laughs> it's good. Eric does, I want to just testify, because Eric will never share this himself, but he does jet to the back. He's, like, trying to, like, kindly smile at members, and he's also, like, making it to the back as soon as possible. Um, and so I'm encouraged yeah. that. But, yeah, we, it, that, you haven't even heard our last conversations, but it sounds like you have, because that's what we did for personal evangelism. Like, okay, how do you think about that strategically, personally, but then how do you invite other members into the same work? And, and that's kind of yeah. done when you think about the two minutes after um, church. Like, how do you pray God, pray for eyes? And, you know, if Joel was here, maybe, um, he said this in a sermon a couple, I don't know, I have no concept of time, but he said in a past sermon that we do way more um, as a church to damage the kingdom of Satan than we would just trying to throw, you know, uh, you know, small yeah. pebbles That's here right. and there, you know, and so the, for the Lone Ranger, it's yeah. like, no, like we are actually damaging the kingdom of Satan. We get to yeah. do that spiritually Good. just yeah. by asking the right questions after church you know which is a struggle <laughs> yeah. for my introverted sisters and brothers but it, it can be done it can. um so okay it sounds to me like that that would be a good topic for a members meeting oh to actually like train everybody on that and just say hey look if i don't talk to you for the first five minutes after church here's why you know, and Eric, maybe you can the be chairman of the elders is writing a note now. Go oh, ahead. Taking there notes. you go. Taking notes. Okay. Please. You know, I, I had a situation a few years ago. Steph was around when this happened to me, oh. but um, I had some friends ask me to go to Everest Base Camp. And uh, I'm an out-of-shape academic, right? And so I'm like, Everest Base Camp, I'm going to die. You're talking Mount <laughs> Everest, so started, bro. Oh, my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not the not the whole mountain, just the base right. camp. That's, so, the, that's um, still at least. So like, I started <laughs> ten years ago this month. So. Wow. Um, yeah, you, neither of us have a have a sense of time, but but I I started going to this gym, and it was amazing to me how many relationships for the sake of the gospel came out of that work that I put in just trying to get myself in shape for this trip. Right. Um, and then I invited, you know, that was one thing, right. For me to just kind of go and people, people come up to me and go, now you teach the Bible. What do you think about this? Right. And that's what I tell people I do. I tell people I teach the Bible. You know, I, I'm a, I'm basically a HR person, um, caring for our staff and, and coaching and stuff. And, mm -hmm. but I teach the Bible. That's what I do every day, day yeah. in, day out. So that's, I tell people out in the, out in the world, that's what I do. And so it's great when they're looking for answers, right? Hey, you, you teach the Bible. What does the Bible say? Mm. So I took a friend with me who um, also needed to get in shape. And the first couple of weeks were kind of hard on him. And, uh, and then he wasn't there one week because his, his son was, was sick. And, uh, and so one of, one of the coaches came and said, Hey, where's your brother? And I said, what? My brother's in South Carolina. <laughs> And he said, no, 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 your brother, you know, the guy who's been coming with you. I said, oh, he's a coworker. I said, but he is my family. And then I explained to him 
that we went to church together and read the scriptures together and loved the Lord. But, you know, I was good friends with he and his wife. And, um, but he wasn't my, my sibling and he just mm. couldn't get over it. Wow. He just kept saying, I thought you guys were kinfolk. And I'm like, wow. no, no. That's good. but that's, that's the message, right? Mm-hmm. The, the fact that the Lord's put us together in a family that's right. and he calls us a family means that he expects us to actually be together yeah, and not Amen. out doing our own thing. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I'm like, cue the, you writing a book? <laughs> oh, you are actually. I am actually, but it's not singleness. It's not on this. It's on singleness. <laughs> I really am myself on this podcast, awkward included. I'm like, Steph, you know she's writing a book. Right. You should write a book on something else. This is a, this is your book number two. Um, but no, hold on, Lisa. I'll I need a story. Oh, I need you saw me story. trying to sneak out. I was like, yeah. "Let me wrap it." Wrap I, I it need up. a story, Steph. I I don't. It know could that be funny. Any... It could be one of your fondest memories. Aww. I just need a story. Don't make me cry. I'm pregnant. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, um, Steph has just been a delight to me. I mean, honestly, from the from the first day I met her, mm-hmm. she was sitting outside in an administration building at the at the school where I taught, and Sweating. she just looked lost. Lost. Sweating. Yes. And I remember thinking to myself when she said she was coming in from Florida, I'm like, girl, why are you sweating? Right. I do not do summer well at all. It's the kids it's are like always a lot asking. More Florida. They're like, should you be sweating that much? I'm like, yes. Okay, let me live. <laughs> no, but just um, just being able to spend time with her over the years was just I mean, it really was a delight. And I love I love her enthusiasm for everything. Mm-hmm. That's stuff. I mean, it's just, it's really refreshing. So that, that's what I'm going to give you on stuff. That's yeah. Hey, that, you, that's good. She's I'll calm. She's so, she's so, yeah. This yeah. is responsible for my first overseas. Yeah trip but really i can't even call it that because she let me go to haiti and let me go to haiti is like (laughs) sounds crazy but like under the right like serving a local Mm -hmm. church being in the background i got to meet family i'd never met before so she's you're like etched um and lisa's one of those i think shaba and lisa LaGeorge, no lie and then i have another lisa williams who i just like will panic text with no context and i haven't spoken to him in four months (laughs) i'm like by the way i'm struggling with i hope your day's going well and she always is available and so i'm grateful for your accessibility <laughs> hence a phone call um i'm like i know you do really important things and technically you're the senior senior officer of yeah i'm just i got a question for you so you've been you've been kind to me sis and i'm i'm there's so much more um i remember wow. she took me into her office one day and she was like you feeling okay? And I was like, this place is a little bit like culturally, like a culture shock for me. Um, just moving to a real predominantly, yeah, yeah. Um, just a different context than yeah. I'd ever been used to. And she's like, what kind of music do you listen to? And so then I was like sharing with her and she's like, oh, okay, well you probably like this and this. And I'm like, just your mention <laughs> of hip hop is enough for me today to feel seen. I need something. <laughs> she said hip hop and cupcakes. And I was like, sign me was up. Good. <laughs> yeah, I was good. bro. Um, I was really good. But anyway, I, for those who are like, she dropped some gems. Um, honestly, oh, you write did. at lisalagorge.com, right? That's where you're usually at. Yep. And you're working yeah, on a book on. On singleness. Um, on singleness. Yeah. No, uh, singleness in the church. So I, I really want to, I want to help both singles and churches steward singleness well. 
That sounds. When is it going to be out? I mean, I we really should wrap this up. But real talk, you know, send that send that our way. Yeah, Fifteen hundred Drew that. Hill out. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a while, but if people are really interested, they can go to LisaLaGeorge dot com. Perfect. And uh, over on the right hand side, they can click on singleness and read about. I don't know. There's probably uh, half a book in there in just um, small blog posts. Yeah, that may be helpful for now. I yeah. legitimately read them. Um, I'm really excited. Everything else you write is good too, but um, you know that I have a soft spot for exactly what you're yeah. writing about. Hey, so I wrote needed. one for you. Uh-huh. I wrote one for you after Look your wedding show. Yeah. You did I remember? That's another. Co- I gotta have you on for just a woman talk <laughs> for everyone else to hear. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the joy. I could throw a wedding shower and have Lisa give a devotional right. on why this wedding isn't really it. But it's a small glimpse of what's to come. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm a weird person. I'm not for everybody, but I appreciate you loving me, sis. And thanks for uh, hanging out with us on the stoop. No we mountain really lions are way. My pleasure. <laughs> Pray for you often and, just, you and trust in the Lord that he's going to continue to use one hope in the garden uh, for his glory. Amen. And it's a real delight to see what he's doing for you guys. So I love you, sis. Bye. Bye. And that was encouraging. It really was. She gave a lot of good wisdom. I guess I say that almost after every conversation, but because it should they be, be encouraging. The gospel should always make me happy, and I should always be encouraged leaving the stoop. That's right. That's right. The day we leave the stoop and we're like, that was <laughs> suck, and then I don't, I don't know that we should record. But right. yeah, man, what would you say? Like, how did, how would you wrap up our conversation with Lisa? You know, fulfilling the Great Commission. Yeah, and yeah. the joy for me, it was uh, the standout of when. You know, that individual at her gym. And I remember that season. She was going to the gym, and I came with her probably at one yeah. out of the 30 times she went. I was like, Lisa, I can't squat no more. I'm going to be at the smoothie bar. They yeah. had the smoothie bar. Anyway, at the gym, it was smoothie bar. That's, That's right. where I hung out. Um, I really did hang out there. But she and talked about the person seeing them as family. No, and something else, though, about, like, we really don't have, sometimes you don't need a lot of time. Yeah. To, like, share the gospel. You just ask the right questions and be ready to share it. Hey, I mean, like a little conversation with somebody at Trader Joe's. Man. That's Just, crazy. Can you think of 90 people that God has saved in the Upton neighborhood being able to be disseminated together yeah. to do good damage? That's right. That's the right kind of yeah. good trouble. That's right. So it was good, man. It's been a good day on the stoop. It has. Yes. Until next time. All right. I'm Stephanie Greer. And I'm Eric Hill. Have a good one, y'all. Thanks for listening to The Stoop Sessions. Be sure to catch us next time. As One Hope exists to build healthy churches in the inner city, check us out and connect at www.onehope.gives.